Beyond FM. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. The 314. St. Louis. Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. They said it was just a good story. One that would soon come to an end. They expected us to be satisfied with how far we've come. We're not satisfied. We're here to prove that the past is merely a point of reference and not a predictor of the future. Our team is relentless. We've overcome adversity. We've delivered at the most crucial times. Do you think we have their attention now? You think they can hear us? It's bigger than us. It's about our city. All of us, together, pushing towards the same goal. This is about our dream. About chasing immortality. A collective idea. A singular goal. Do you want it? Do you want to be a part of the greatest time in our history? Together, we're going to dig deep and give everything we have because this, this is all we know. Our eyes are on the ultimate goal. This is about writing a story that will be told for generations to come. And they think we're at the end. Hey, buddy. We're still here. Parental discretion strongly advised. It's sports and local music wrapped up into one. It's Hat Tricks with Patrick on Beyond FM. Regulators, mount up! I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel cold. But you're clouding up my mind. I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel alone. When you're standing by my side. This morning I'd appreciate if you could text me when you get this message. It's been building up for quite some time, and it's time to question if you care at all. I bet you'll play this voicemail every night and wish you could have done me right.
when we say the best of everything STL, we mean everything. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. Beyond FM. Yes! That's awesome! Like a gypsy, always on the go. Yeah, trying to outrun secrets only her past knows. And she whispers to herself, like she's the only one who knows. You could be a in this town You could go down in fire You'll never know if you don't try now So keep your head high Stay strong Keep pushing along to no one really truth be told if there's but one of her to break this mold she's committed to show and pain and suffering has no hope In this town You could go down in fire You never know if you don't try now So keep your head high Stay strong Keep pushing along And you could be a legend You could have come down in fire But you made it through somehow And kept your head high Stayed strong Kept pushing along And you became a legend It's the Whiskey Rebels with Legend on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. Before that, we played the Wild and Free 
I don't want to feel as a personal request from the one and only Ben Lambert, who is in, well, not technically in studio, but he is on the phone and uh, he's, you know, he's chilling. He's talking. He's going to be talking to us pretty much most of the night. What's going on, Ben? You can hear me, right? Oh, I can hear you loud, loud and clear. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, not a problem. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, you had actually mentioned a while back that you wanted to be on the show. You wanted to uh, come on, and be, I think it was because of uh, Dan O'Connor's time on the show, and he had a, a number of crazy stories to tell. You listened into it. You loved it, and you wanted to kind of come in to do the same thing. But, you know, unlike Dan, you have more, well, better than Dan, you have more uh, musical talent than him. So <laughs> we got to have you right, on but, to definitely talk my some stories music, are too. Gonna, are, my stories are nowhere near as good as Dan's. I mean, the best that I can do is just corroborate a lot of the stuff that he says, because when it comes to Dan, you got to understand that, like, you know, 90% of the stuff of the stories that he tells uh, people are like, no, it didn't happen like that. No, I don't believe it. And it's like, well, okay, but I, I was there and, and it did happen exactly like that. In fact, uh, he, he is actually leaving a few details out. Like, oh, really? um, so for example, uh, back when we were in, uh, in high school, uh, Dan, I was too young to drive. Dan uh, is older than me, um, by a few months, you know, so he had his license before I did. And, uh, he was in detention. And I was not in detention, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess it was over some girl or something. I, it's always over a girl, I guess. And uh, Always, always. Always, yeah. And so um, I don't know if it was like probably 100, 150 people from Winsville High School showed up to kick his ass. And uh, that's just me. And I'm being conservative about the number of people. And we're talking about like uh, – uh, convoy of cars pulls into the parking lot and Dan's in detention. You know, they're just, they're waiting for him outside. They've got like baseball bats and chains, like weapons. They're, they're waiting for like a hundred on one, 150 on one with weapons. And, uh, so I run over to the, to the detention room and I knock on the window. I'm like trying to get Dan's attention. Hey dude, dude. He's like, he looks out and he's like, well, I'll be out in a minute. So, um, you know, Basically, what happened was uh, we, we had another Dan, Dan Hill, who works for the Riverfront Times. He goes over to Dan O'Connor's car, and uh, because they're just waiting around his car for him to come out to the, uh, to the car so they can whoop his ass or whatever, or they can attempt to whoop his ass. And uh, so they're like, hey, are you Dan? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Dan Hill. They're like, oh this, is your, oh, this is Dan's car. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Dan. So Dan Hill pulls the car over by the detention by the, by the school where the detention room was. And, uh, Dan, you know, runs out to his car and, uh, he opens up the trunk and he pulls out a big, huge ax, like a big one, a big ax. And so they know, Oh, that is Dan O'Connor. And so he starts walking across the parking lot, going to meet up, meet this crowd of like 150 people, conservatively 150 people dragging the axe along the ground. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it as long as I live. The sound of the axe <laughs> scraping across the parking lot as he's walking over and they're like, all right, put your axe down. Let's fight. He's like, no, you put your, you put your weapons down and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't want to, you know, say too many MFs and all of the other bad language, but appreciate. Uh, 
Oh yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> and uh, so basically, uh, Dan uh, he he punked out this entire crowd of about 150 ish people uh, on his own. It was the damnedest thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, and it, you know, it sounds stupid and and too crazy to be true, but I I I mean, I was there. I was there. So like, when you hear Dan tell a story. Uh, you have to realize that uh, it probably happened just the way he told you. And there's probably even more, like I'm leaving out a few little minor details and things, but you know, like this, that's just how Dan is. And I'm, I'm, you know, no, I'm not crazy like he is in that way. I am crazy, but I'm not like Dan O'Connor crazy. Well, and I'm not like on 150 you know. people with an ax crazy. No, no, no. That's no. a story he Most did them, not tell us that one. So we we're right, hoping to get him on right. for whenever he gets better with his neck and whatnot to get him on, maybe talk some more stories. That's one we want to hear his side of it because we got your side now. Now we'd like mm-hmm. to hear like from his point of view what he saw and what he remembers from that situation. Right. If he can still right. remember it. Oh, I'm sure he can. And that's that's pretty much that's, that was pretty much par for the course. Like uh, growing up with Dan, we went to grade school together and we went to high school together for a couple years until he was asked to, uh, you know, leave the school because, you know, he kicked the janitor's knee backwards and whatever. I don't know, but, uh, he did what? uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say about, I, maybe I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, well, the, I guess I'm, I, well, I'll let you tell or him tell the story. So I don't get any details wrong and I don't uh, say too much, but basically, uh, you know, Stepping to the stepping to the man, even when he was you know sixteen, seventeen years old, too, uh, you know because even back then, Dan, he's a badass, you know. So like, uh, you know, the janitor stepped to him, and uh, I, he kicked the guy's leg backwards, and uh, you know, grown man crying, holding his leg in the parking lot, and the school asked him, you know, very politely if he would wouldn't mind withdrawing from the school and finding maybe a different place to go to school the next year, uh, which he did. So I didn't, I didn't get a chance to graduate with Dan, but, uh, we, we've had some fun over the years and, uh, yeah, we're, we're boys. He's, he's like my longest tenured friend out of, out of all my friends. I don't have a friend that I go back with further that I still talk to and hang out with. And he's actually the reason why I, uh, am even in the whiskey rebels, uh, because, uh, well, basically the way it worked was, uh, you know, well, I always start off with, uh, the, the, the story about the time I heard Crystal sing. Well, I fancy myself as, uh, uh, an above average singer. And especially when it comes to eighties metal, like I'll sing, I'll sing warrant skid row and just, you know, I, I belt it out. I, I come from a long line of, of, you know, really good singers. And, uh, so I get up there and it was the first word singing karaoke in St. Charles. It was the first time that I, uh, that I tried, I remember you by Skid Row. And that's a really challenging song, like, especially at the end, uh, and you were the, singing the last this, right? part. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was singing, I remember you and I just knocked it out of the park. Like everybody's like, yeah, you know, getting high fives on the way back to the table. I'm like, I feel bad for whoever has to follow that up. Cause I just, you know rocked it and uh the next singer that was up is crystal and she gets up there and i don't remember what song she sang but uh i was like oh my god 
like this this girl can sing holy shit like it, it was I mean, you know, she's got a fantastic voice, yes, very uh, rich, like very just really good voice. And I was like, damn, that's uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. And she definitely showed me up, even though I sang I Remember You and knocked it out like I did. Do you remember and when she so, sang? Uh, oh, I have no idea. A country song. I mean, I don't know any country songs, so of course, <laughs> except the ones that like I write. So uh, and have to learn for the band. But uh it was, it was fantastic. I'm sure it was Miranda or one of those. Um, but then fast forward like five or six years, I guess. And, um, I had been playing in a hardcore band and we, it just decided that it wasn't going to work out. So we, uh, I was about to sell all my gear, like keep a guitar and one amp, one guitar. And cause I wasn't using it and I wanted the money. And, uh, literally like the day before, uh, Dan calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, you know anybody who wants to play guitar in, in Crystal's band? Like, they've got a show coming up in, like, a couple weeks or whatever, and they don't, they need a guitarist. And I was like, well, I'll do it. And so uh, that was, I guess, three years ago now. And uh, so was I ended up learning. Was that for Tony's uh, birthday party for the uh, no, Beyond FM no, show? Not that one. That was actually, I think that was our, our second or third show. But that was a, it was a couple months before that. And it was, um, it was at this bar in Illinois, this, uh, little hole in the wall. And, uh, it was a nice place. Don't get me wrong. A hole in the wall is not necessarily, you know, like negative, but, uh, you know, small venue. It was like a Halloween show and we were terrible. Uh, but I mean, compared to how we are now, but, uh, you know, I had to learn, I don't even know, 10 or 11 songs, 12 songs in 10 days. And luckily I was, uh, an unemployed loser at the time. And I had time to, you know, sit there and play guitar for eight, 10 hours a day in order to learn all these songs. I learned them and, uh, the rest is history, I guess, as they say. So yeah, that's Dan is the one who got me into the band in the first place. So it was, uh, it's always a story. There's always a story behind it. And, uh, you know, this is no different. So, yeah, but we uh we've we've had a lot of fun since then and the fun continues so we uh it's it's exciting it's fun times i really enjoy i never thought that i would enjoy playing country music but uh i find i find myself not only enjoying certain country music but you know having to learn how to play it instead of just pounding on a guitar playing hardcore it has also uh, expanded my horizons quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to ask how how hard is it to be? You say you're a total eight, you're an eighties like ballad metalhead, and you're playing in a hardcore band, and now you're doing country music. Like, right? That's a big switch off, basically, between three. I want to say three different genres, most like mostly. Yeah, and I'm it. It it was a big adjustment, like having to, uh, you know when I was playing hardcore, it was just, you know, lots of chugging, lots of just pounding on the instrument more than anything. Uh, and having to learn country, it, I had to actually learn how to play guitar. I never have taken guitar lessons or, you know, really tried to hone the craft. I just knew how to make it sound heavy and, you know, evil. And then, so once I, uh, once I, was able to start learning country music. I have actually, uh, you know, learned how to play guitar and I'm still, I'm still, you know, learning. It's all, it's, you get out 
of it as much as you put in. So I, you know, lots of practice, lots of learning a new way to play, but I can actually say with confidence that I, I know how to play guitar. Uh, I would have told you the same thing when I was playing hardcore, but I would have been wrong uh, because <laughs> I, I, re- I pretty much just knew how to just bang on it. You know, like I think it's called genting. I did a lot of genting, D-J-E-N-T. My brother told me about that one because he listens to that. Uh, that kind of stuff. But, I've never heard you know, that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, you know, like, uh, it's, it is what it sounds like. Gent, like, so, you know, like, I, I learned how to do something other than that. And, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a, definitely an adjustment. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Nice. So I was going to ask, like, I mean, you, you basically took away like a lot of my questions that I was going to kind of get to, you know, like some of your bigger influence and stuff like that. But I'm guessing Skid Row would probably be one of them. Well, really, um, as far as guitar stuff goes, like the music that I was playing, it would be more along the lines of like uh, Hatebreed and like uh, All Out War. Lots of I used to listen to a lot of uh, Victory Records stuff when I was a kid. And so. You know, I, I mean, I remember the first time I heard uh, the Hatebreed album, Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, which it must have been like 1997 or 1998. And I, I knew like as soon as I heard it, like, oh, my God, like this, this is really good. This is just amazing. So I basically just learned the album. It's not like it's super hard to play, especially back then when they didn't do solos and stuff. Uh, so I basically learned the whole album from beginning to end. And, um, you know, when you're listening to something and, and listening to the same type of stuff, that's what your music sounds like. So all the bands that I, that I was in, uh, we basically sounded, you know, heavy like that. So I would say that those are my main influences from, you know, when I was a kid and growing up is the super heavy stuff like that. Uh, but I mean, nowadays you'll find me listening to Cody Jinks a lot and, uh, you know, more stuff like that. But the, the eighties metal is mostly reserved for like karaoke and, uh, partying, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's good karaoke music. It's good partying. Like, you know, not right now. Cause I got a little cold, but, uh, yeah, I like to sing, I like to sing real high and hit all those high notes. And, uh, like I used to embarrass my wife and sing, uh, heaven by warrant to her. And, uh, you know, she's, she's the type of, of gal who does not like the, does not like the spotlight to be on her. So, and I'm the exact opposite where I, you know, I want to be in the spotlight all the time. So I would just embarrass the heck out of her. So you'll get up Uh, like multiple times to do karaoke and at least one of those, you're like, this is to you, baby. And you point out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, the last time I went though, I did, um, I did which one I did, uh, break stuff by Limp Bizkit (laughs) because, you know, there's just something about Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit that is just, fantastic to me i don't know what what it is thinking of dad vibes that that. oh dad vibes is a phenomenal song phenomenal like that that the album uh still sucks pretty good uh like it's it's about like 50 50 but dad vibes the song dad vibes oh my god like that's it's it's fantastic 
Like, I, I, am, I love it. I, I love have it. yet to be able to hear like the full album. I haven't got a chance to listen to the full album, but Dad Vibes, I enjoyed. And I enjoyed their last album, Gold Cobra. There was like not a bad song on Gold Cobra. I I haven't even I haven't listened to that one because I'm a I'm a Limp Biscuit purist and a new metal purist where uh, I like three dollar bill y'all and okay. then I like the singles from the other album like all the popular songs because they they'll never be able to top three dollar bill. Uh, that's just a, a total classic like was through out, and through. I was that out that is. Now. That is Pimp Rock. I was out running today, and I was listening to Stuck on repeat. Hell yeah. Fantastic song. <laughs> that, line Fantastic kill, that, line, song. that line kills me. All I wanted was a Pepsi. Just one Pepsi. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Limp Bizkit. I'm, I, well, I, see, I graduated, and I'm, I'm turning 40 in March. So I, uh, I graduated in 2001. So when I was in high school, we were listening to all of that stuff, the Limp Bizkit. I never really was into corn because corn was like too popular and too many people who I thought were trendy like them. They're okay. They're all right. But I was more of like the Limp Bizkit, Deftones, Soulfly, uh, along that, along that vein of things. Like, and that was, that was what, what I was listening to then. And, uh, right in that era is when I started my hardcore, my hardcore, uh, phase, I guess, if you will, even though that phase lasted you know, forever. Other than Three Six Mafia, which is the only rap that I listen to. I mean, who can't? Well, I, lo- I, mean, I who love me love three, some six. three Six. Three Six. I know. Awesome. I do. Man, I saw them back. Oh, geez, it was probably like they weren't playing as Three Six Mafia, probably because of like copyrights and records. They were playing as Da Mafia Six at the. I think it's called the Mad Magician. Uh, I don't know if it exists anymore, but a little club down on um, Manchester, down in the city. I got a text from one of my buddies that I played hockey with and, uh, and he was like, why are we not at this show? It was like 1030. And the, the club was like, you know, two and a half miles from my front door. It was like 10 minutes away. I was like, what do you mean? Why aren't we there? I'm going. So I go and I see three, six mafia in a club. That's like a, a 500 person club, like a small venue, which is the best place to see any band is the smaller the venue, the better. Because that that's you know the more personal personal the that's the best way to see a band. That's how you see them. Like if you go if you want to go see Tool, you want well you can never see them in a small venue. But they played down in Cape Girardeau, in in like a five thousand person venue, and that's tiny for Tool. Like we, my wife and I went and saw them at Shifitz, and and they play stadium shows. But the best place to the best place is the smallest place. So. Anyway, I see Three Six Mafia minus Juicy J, uh, and Lord Infamous had already died. R.I.P. Lord Infamous, by the way, uh, who was actually I think the most talented part of uh, Three Six lyrically. Um, but uh, I saw him live, and I was like in the front row, and DJ Paul was singing "Ass and Titties" with me. Like he would say "Ass and Titties," and he stuck the mic in my face. "Ass and Titties." Ass and titties. So it was like a bucket list thing, man. Like I had always wanted to see Three Six because they are, you know, Three Six Mafia, and I got to sing Ass and Titties with DJ Paul at Three Six Mafia. It was one of the best nights of my entire life. I gotta say, like it was, it was a bucket list. It was a bucket list happening. So yeah, love, love me some Three Six. Used to listen to that before hockey games to get pumped up. 
and uh, it definitely worked. So yeah, three six is three six is awesome too. I feel you. Hey, we're gonna t- let's take a break, and they're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk a little hockey. How about that? That was. Oh, no, I'm down with that. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back right here on Beyond FM. Hey, this is also one of your requests that you put out there, Ben. So if Which you one? it's a story of the year. Hell yeah! So if you want to do the intro, go for it. Which song we playing by Story of the Year? Anthem of Our Dying Day. Oh, all right. Well, this is Anthem of Our Dying Day by the one and only Story of the Year on Beyond FM. And we'll see you back in a few minutes. The stars will cry The blackest tears tonight And this is the moment that I live for I can smell Here I am, pouring my heart onto these rooftops Just a ghost to the world That's exactly, exactly what I need From up here the city lights burn Like a thousand miles of fire And I'm here to sing this For a second I wish the tide Would swallow every inch of the city As you gasp for air tonight I'd scream this song right in your face if you
Beyond FM. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. The Beyond FM. The best of everything STL.
Wes Hoffman has something to remember you by on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. What's happening? Happy Monday night to you. It is the hat trick with me, Patrick, in the studio. Uh, unfortunately, one and our one and only Douglas Moore will not be joining us this week. Uh, we kind of pushed things back for him because he graduated from college. So he graduated from full sale. So congratulations goes out to Doug for sure. But unfortunately, he is sick. I'm saying it had to have been the humidity change, the weather change, basically going from Florida to St. Louis, and then a couple weeks later doing Florida to St. Louis yet again. So he is a bit under the weather. Basically, I tried to prop him on, on a hospital bed to get him in here, prop him like next to his face, but he's just too out of it to even make it downstairs tonight. So instead, it's just me and the Whiskey Rebels, or is it is it – Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels, or is it just the Whiskey Rebels? You know, we uh, there's an there's an old punk band called the Whis- Whiskey Rebels. So I think we're we were just going to do Whiskey Rebels, but I think it's going to be Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels. So there's no uh, confusion. Uh, so let's go with Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels. So we got- even though if you look even though if you look our stuff up on Spotify or iTunes or any of that, uh, you would just you would type in Whiskey Rebels. So, out of the barrel. Yeah. That's so, the album. okay. So let's try it again. So we got from Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels, getting it right. The one only Ben Lambert, the guitarist for with the Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels. What's happening, Ben? Hey, you know, <laughs> just sitting here watching the Blues game, talking to you, just chilling, man, having a great night so far. Trying to keep you uh, not too preoccupied watching the game because uh right, last time right. I looked it's uh, nothing nothing in the first period an interesting season i mean let's get into hockey a little bit because you said you played hockey or you still play hockey and uh you you had some things to say when our uh, a buddy of our other sh- uh, show jeff nichols was on a couple of weeks ago <laughs> talking his opinion on what's happening with the blues and what they need to fix. And basically you were commenting just being like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. His right, eyes right. full of it. Which honestly, I, you know, I love Jeff. Well, you to didn't death, want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be rude. No, but right. I love Jeff to death, but I wouldn't put him as a hockey expert. That's for sure. Right. Right. And that's, you know, I, I'm, I, I was, I was kind of, you know, being a little funny about it, but, uh, no, I, I, I think that, you know, early on in the season, you got, you know, the blues are giving up backdoor tip-ins, you know, and, and giving up like no goalie's going to stop a backdoor tap-in. I don't care who it is. So to say that Bennington's not playing well, or, you know, that that's just, that's not true. He's been great this season. There have only been a few soft goals out of, you know, the many that he's given up and the time that he, the ones that he's given up, you know, he's making the saves that he needs to make. The team had just been playing like crap in front of him. And so finally they got it together and went on that little streak. And, uh, you know, I, I actually turned the game off the other night after they went down. What was it? Four to one. I was like, all right, we're done with this. And they ended That's up coming up. back, which, yeah, which was awesome. But, uh, no, I think, I think, you know, Benner's been real good this year, man. And they've, they've, if they can keep, if they can keep doing what they're doing when they're winning the games and controlling the pace of play and stuff like that, you know, controlling the middle of the ice and playing blues hockey, then, you know, we've got something. 
if they play like they do when they're, you know, when they went on that streak of losing all those games, it's going to be a long season. And, you know, we're going to be talking about O'Reilly and Tarasenko and people like that, what kind of draft picks we can get for them at the trade deadline. But I think I'm, I'm happy they're coming around and I'm happy that they're doing what they're doing because, you know, they've got too many good players to be giving away games and playing like, you know, dog shit for lack of a better term. But I, I, you know, starting to get into the mix, into the swing of things. They're, they're looking real good. They're three and two in their last five. And, you know, I think you're definitely right. Binner, I think the numbers that he has right now do not reflect what he has done. Because in all honesty, during that eight game losing streak, he should have, it, it, it hadn't been any other goalie that was in net that it wasn't Binner. Oh, it should have been at least 14 to 15 to two or something like that. Like, oh, absolutely. God, he the keeps them. If all you ask, he's getting peppered with. Right. All you ask your goalie to do is to give you a, a chance to win. And 19 out of 20 times, Bennington does that for the Blues. Yeah. Like his, his side to side, the way he moves side to side, some of the saves that he's been making this year have just been fantastic. And it really, it's a shame that his numbers aren't aren't as good as he's been playing because, honestly, he has he is one of the best goalies in the league. You know, you just have to have a, the, a good enough team in front of him. And that's, that's basically it. You know, Bennington's a great goalie. He really, really is. Uh, one of the things that was weird to me, though, about Bennington is, like, I never realized until the playoffs last year how much the rest of the league just hates the guy. Oh, yeah. I think he's one of the most hated players in the entire league, I think which is, is crazy because like, he's just like the dude for us. You know, I, I don't know if it's because he was trying to show up uh, Justin Bieber or because, you know, of, of the way he carries himself. But, you know, I, I was shocked by how much, uh, how much people hate Bennington. I, I personally really am not a fan of Kadri and I, you know, wish they would bring up uh, Washer, Dean Washerock from Springfield to beat the shit out of uh, <laughs> out of Kadri. That guy's crazy. I don't know if you've ever watched any of his fight videos. Uh, the dude is the dude throws haymakers like I'm only haymakers. For, I'm looking and forward he, to that first game against Calgary. Now that Calgary's now they're playing for Calgary. I I'm absolutely. looking forward to that first game because I if somebody that in all honesty should take a run at him, not to say, you know, injure anybody, not saying that at all, but the dude is just a scumbag. Well, he's always been a scumbag. He's always been that way. Kadri's been, Kadri's known as being, you know, a dirty, cheap player, you know, just because he can score, just because he, you know, isn't a terror, just because he's not Matt Cook doesn't mean he's still not a total scumbag. Like the dude, I don't know. I just, Mm, he is he, just even he, thinking about the guy got to the point off. where he's Tom Wilson level scumbaggery. Right. And that's but he's not lot. even, he's, he's not even like a, a tough dude. He's just a little rat. He's like, you know, he's not like a, it's not like he throws body like Wilson does. At least Wilson's a big dude. Cool drop the gloves. I mean, and, Matt, I mean, you know, in, all fairness, like, in all fairness, like, it's hard to compare him to anybody because he's kind of all on his own, how much of a prick he really is and some of the shit that he's done. But if you had to compare him to somebody, I would say he was a Matthew Barnaby type from like the late 90s, like right. the mid nineties. Barnaby. He's like was a Barnaby. 
Oh yeah, and Barnaby Barnaby would fight, but he would just hug the guy the entire time. Yeah, there were not going to be any punches thrown. He was going to make sure that Barnaby was the kind of guy also that wouldn't take cheap shots. He'd he'd hit you, but he makes sure you knew it was him just so he could like laugh in your face because you retaliate up, oh, you go to the box. Right, right, exactly right. But Cadre so, Cadre's you know. too much of a gutless punk to be able to do that though. He really is. He's gutless. That's that's one of the best descriptions descriptions of him. And the thing he's is, gutless like, and he's punk. He's a punk. He is a major punk. Like, and he proved that. Like he, like there's like he. You got he got himself ran out of Toronto. You know how hard it is to get ran out of Toronto. That's right. In all honesty, like they are the most forgiving team or fan base. They are the fan base that will put up pretty much with anything as long as you win. And win them a cup, which he never did, but he pissed the fan base off so much, they ran his ass out. Right. Well, Toronto, I mean, for those who don't know, Toronto is basically like the Maple Leafs are basically the Yankees of the NHL. So, like, they, uh, they, they, they've got, there's a salary cap, so it's not apples and apples. It's kind of apples and oranges. But Toronto, if you want to go be famous and play hockey and just be a hockey god, Hello. The hockey is their religion, but you know, I, I lost if, you there for a second. Sorry. Turn, oh, all right. You tell me when you can hear me. Can you hear me now? I can, can hear, you hear you. me I now. Can hear you. Okay. So as I was saying, you know, Toronto is basically like the New York of, uh, the New York Yankees of professional hockey. I would say the they're NHL. more the Mets because the Yankees actually win championships. The Maple Leafs don't. <laughs> right. Well, that's true too. That's true too. It's been but what a while. I mean is it's like, been a while. Yeah, it really has. What I mean is like there's hockey is Canada's sport and Canada and Toronto is hockey central in Canada. So it's, they have the highest profile players. Like, like I said, like Marner is, you know, I've heard, I heard on the uh, fast lane the other day, they were talking, it might've been, fast, I don't remember if it was the fast lane the other day, it was on uh, ESPN. They were talking about, well, who's the face of the NHL? And somebody said, well, Mitch Marner. And uh, because, you know, Crosby and uh, McDavid, they're, they're Ovechkin, they're, you know, their time is kind of drawing to a close. But, you know, Marner's like the, the face of the Maple Leafs. So, you know, he's like the man because Toronto is hockey central. But, yeah, Kadri, uh yeah, scumbag, total scum. And you know, people are like, oh, it was incidental. He got pushed into him. No, anybody who's played hockey, anybody who's played hockey knows and can see that he didn't try and not hit Bennington. He was, tried for to the, hit Bennington. For anybody was to say ridiculous. it was incidental is they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. They just don't know hockey. They're they just going to try. They're right. going to sit there and say that Bennington is not a good goalie. That's right. the type of person who. <laughs> yeah, Binner kept them kept them in the first two games. Like you see some of the saves that Binner was making, it was like, yeah, you can't not sit there and say that guy is not a good goalie when he clearly is. Well, that's once he was hurt, that was that was it, and everybody knew it. That was it for the Blues. They weren't going to do anything, and uh, I mean, it's it's easy to sit here and say they would have won the Stanley Cup, they would have done this, they would have done that. But I mean, honestly. My opinion is that yeah, they they would have been in the finals had Bennington not gotten hurt. It was like when we were in uh, when I was in college playing at Uh we had two really good goalies. One of them was more of the positional goalie, and the other one was like the really athletic could win could win you a game goalie. And our 
when we we beat Lindenwood in the uh, in regionals, and they hadn't lost in like over a hundred games because they're one of the only te- teams that could give scholarships out for roller hockey. And uh, so we uh, we ended up beating them in regionals, and the coach said to our, our other goalie, "Hey, if we if we go and we go to nationals, you'll be the goalie." And so we went to nationals. We ended up we were going to face or we were facing Lindenwood for the championship game. And he was like, "All right." Uh, Tommy's in goal, the positionally sound, but not like just, you know, basically like the Thomas Grice. And, uh, you know, just not having the guy, our best goalie in, his name's James Cash, our best, not having our best goalie in, I mean, that the game was over before it even started because we just knew that, you know, the best goalie wasn't playing the game for some reason. Yeah, we fired that coach. Who uh, who did that uh, after that year? After we lost in the in the championship game to Lindenwood that year, uh, but yeah, and that's a, it's the same thing with the Blues. Like if if you true hockey is the one sport where a goalie can steal a series. There's not another sport that is on the same level as hockey as far as having one player be able to win the game for you. Hockey is is that sport. So, like, you have a good goalie that the other team doesn't think they can score on, you're going to win. Like, that's it, and that's all. And Bennington was that, and then he got hurt. And so, you know, Kadri's the MVP of the entire playoffs last year because he's the only reason why Colorado got to the uh, finals instead of the Blues. You're not wrong. I, I 100% agree with that statement. Yep. They should, by the way, they should be up one nothing. But uh, the whoever the goalie is for the for the stars made a ridiculous save on Butchnevich. So, but yeah, as far as the Blues go this year, man, I'm I'm hopeful, and I think that I think that they're going to be just fine. And if they're not, I hope they suck really, really, really bad and don't win another game, so we can at least have a chance to get one of the one of the top draft picks because. This year's draft class it's is supposed one to be deepest. one of the deepest. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of the deepest draft classes that there's been in years and years and years. Maybe the year that uh, Eric Johnson and Taves and all those guys. Maybe that that one is a good is a good comparison because this this draft class is a really good one. And so, uh, I would prefer the Blues just win and do what they've been doing because I think. Uh, I mean, they've got they've got a great coach who you know used to pound people's faces in, so automatic respect. <laughs> and they've got they've got the good veteran leadership. They've got a couple of great youngsters. And I I have to say, just let me go on record as saying, uh, in the beginning of the season, I I did kind of moan and groan a little bit about the Cairo uh, contract, mm. but I got to say. Uh, when he's when he's good and he's playing like he should, wow, he's real good. Like Thomas, I've always been sure that Thomas is going to be that he's going to live up to that contract because that dude is legit. Kairu is like a is more of a hot and cold kind of guy. So I, I was kind of questioning that contract, but now he he's went, looking, I mean, he's looking see, real good. If you want evidence of like what kind of player Kairu can be, look no further than that Florida game. Two of those great, right. those two goals that he scored. Good lord! Absolute, yeah, the dude. He's got dude, a sick shot. No matter if he yeah. backhand or forehand, and his lateral movement is one of the things. Like he's fast. He's like maybe the, the fastest, fastest player in the, in the NHL, right? Yeah, but 
it's the lateral movement that he, he's got and the ability to handle the puck and be able to move side to side as fast as he does is something else. Like that's something that, uh, that very few players have. Uh, I mean, more and more now because the, the league's, the league's changed a lot over the past, you know, 15, 20 years, um, you know, with the, with the advanced metrics and all the, you know, the way that they're able to analyze the way guys skate now that they weren't able to do back in the day. And, you know, they figured out that the fastest guys in the league, they move their feet faster than everybody else, which sounds like obvious, but, you know, doing crossovers and stuff, you know, the, having the inside edge and stuff like that. I mean, there's a whole science to it. My brother is actually, he's a coach at uh, Lindenwood and uh, for their ice team. And um, he's, we call him, we call him the professor and he knows all about all this stuff. And it's just, it's amazing the amount of science that's behind hockey and all sports, actually. I mean, even baseball, especially baseball these days, the way that they are able to calculate spin rate and stuff like that. And all the, all the advanced metrics has, have really just changed sports. Saber metrics in baseball. Like uh, I would say some people, some people say that kind of ruined baseball, but I think it kind of made baseball a little more interesting and it's definitely more scientific for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword really. I mean, you, the way that teams do everything based on the analytics of the game versus, you know, just the way that they used to do it, it has definitely changed the way guys come up, the things that guys do. Uh, I mean, for example, like the way that how hard pitchers throw now versus how, how hard they used to throw. Like, you know, back, let's say even in the 90s, early 2000s, if you had a guy throwing 97, you were like, whoa. And now, you know, everybody's throwing mid to upper nineties and it's, it's crazy because it, it didn't used to be like that, Yeah. but it's because they are pulling pitchers out of the game earlier. And, you know, you're like, I was talking to one of my buddies and he's, you know, there's never going to be another Nolan Ryan because you, you don't, you just don't have guys doing complete games anymore. So they've got all pitchers are more able to, you know, just let it go and throw it as hard as they can all the time instead of trying to, you know, get those innings in and eat innings up. So the, the, the analytics definitely change, change the game and it has, has changed sports a whole, whole lot. Hockey is definitely included in that, but you know, it, it gives more, it gives more numbers for the numbers nerds. I just like to, I just like to watch the games, man. I, I've been, I've played hockey since I was a little kid. That's my sport. That's what my son plays. That's what my youngest son will play. I mean, he's he's 18 months old and is already running around with my older son, you know, hitting pucks around and slapping people with sticks and bugging the girls. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're a hockey family and we always have been 18 months old and he's already taking a stick around and uh, high sticking people basically. Yeah, pretty much. So you yeah, saying, Dominic you, just hit me with a stick. Okay. He's, he's, he's a year and a half old. Just like walk away from him. Like, it's all right. You were saying uh, a little while ago about the draft. Uh, for hockey this coming up season. And I've been keeping an eye on this kid, and I know a lot of people have. And there were people during that eight-game losing streak that the Blues had that were like, hey, you know, we lose out the rest of the way, which practically improbable. I mean, three Jesus Christ, we're only 12, 15 games into the season, and, you know, we have lost eight in a row. But 
they they always for with a draft lottery, you know, tanking doesn't always work. There's been a couple of times where, you know, teams like Anaheim and Buffalo, they tanked and yet Chicago or somebody Phoenix. else gets yeah, Phoenix. Right. Get the Phoenix. And then uh Edmonton got McDavid <laughs> yeah. like right out from under him the year that Phoenix gave away everybody and then they didn't even get the first uh the first pick in the draft. They ended up drafting uh I think Dylan Strom. Yeah. I mean, and it was like, it's just like, dude, like that, that, that organization's just cursed. I'm sorry. Uh, like I, I give it at least two more seasons and they'll probably be, be either playing in Quebec or, hopefully. uh, I, what was another one? There was another, I maybe even Ve- or not Vegas, um, possibly going up towards like Montana. They're talking about having a Man, team there in Montana. Enough, there are enough people up there. I I lived in Montana for a little while, and uh, when we went travel nursing, and um, you know, one of the reasons why, if we would have had the opportunity to stay there, that we would not stay there is because there's just not a lot of ice hockey up there. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be in Helena. I don't even think I don't even know if Butte has a rink, but uh, I'm sure Missoula does because it's a college town, and Billings probably does because it's a college town, but. There's a lot less hockey in Montana than you'd think. Like it's uh, it which struck me as odd because you know in North Dakota they've got hockey and um, I mean I'm home of sure Idaho. Soon. Yeah, I'm sure Idaho, uh, Boise. I'm positive they've got good hockey up there. But like, there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of people and there's not a lot of hockey up there, which is really weird. Being you know a few hundred miles from Canada, but yeah, I'm. Hey, if Montana gets a team, I hope it's, uh, I'll move up there. Montana's awesome. It's a great place. So I got, I, I missed out on the winter though. So I didn't have to stay during the winter. Yeah. It but, seems like it would which be Which I'm harsh. sure is pretty, pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, during the summer months, there's, you can't capture, you can't capture the beauty of Montana with a, with a camera. You just have to go. So, but yeah, they put a team there. I'll be making road trips. I, mean, I wouldn't be against it. Uh, I would definitely not be against like <laughs> making trips up that way. So oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Connor Bedard, who's a projected to go number one overall. Listen to these stats though. In his first 100 games in the Western Hockey League, 82 goals, 95 assists, 177 points on 539 <laughs> shots on goal, and he was unbelievable. Only, he was only 15. Uh, that was. From ages fifteen to seventeen, yeah, unbelievable. Why? I don't know. How old are you? You're thirty-four. Okay, so you you might remember, you might not remember when I when Crosby was coming up, when he was like sixteen years old, they started having Crosby pattern sticks, and everybody just knew the guy was going to be the next Wayne Gretzky or whatever, you know. And this uh, this kid, Bernard. He's, uh, he's he projected like, like he's like the scouting he's, report he's on him. He's going to be like, real good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the scouting report on him is if he stays healthy, which he hasn't had any injury problems, thankfully, you know, knock on wood. Uh, right. He's, he's like a cross between like, oh, he's got like Ovechkin's hands, uh, Crosby's sight, and just the overall skating ability of like Gretzky. So somehow he's got all three of these legends like in his playing skill. So yeah, well, I, I wouldn't mind. I certainly that. hope that he's that good because I, uh, it's it's always good to have to have the youngsters come up and make an immediate impact. It's really exciting for the game, 
And I mean, even here in St. Louis, especially, I mean, we're, we've, I, I don't know if people almost take for granted the fact that Thomas and Cairo are as good as they are. Uh, but those guys, like the way that the game has changed, come, going back to that, the way the game has changed, the kids coming up, they can skate, they can really skate and they have all of the, the newest, you know, ways to train and newest training methodology. So these guys coming up, they're, they're legit. I can't wait for the guy to come into the NHL. I mean, I'm a blues fan. Uh, and it's really the blues and Cardinals are, you know, the only two teams that I can say, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of like in the NFL, I like players, but like, I, I also enjoy watching certain players and cheering for certain players in the NHL because they're, you know, fun to watch and they've got skills and I can't wait for that kid to come up so I can watch, uh, watch the new blood in the league should be really cool. Yeah, I think he's going to be, like you said, first overall pick. You know, he's whoever, whatever team he ends up on, he's most likely going to be on the opening night roster, basically. Right. Immediate impact, which is really cool. It's, that's one of the ways that hockey and uh, that hockey is is a different kind of sport is that, you know, I, mean, I guess football is like that, too, of course. But hockey, like you have players who can come into the league and make an immediate impact. And, you know, baseball is definitely not like that. I mean, we're sitting here talking about uh, Walker and Wynn and, like, can't wait for him to get up. They've, we've had him as, you know, in the Cardinals organization for however many years. And, you know, whereas in hockey, you know, you get a kid who's strong enough at 18 years old, he's going to be in the lineup and you're going to be, you're going to get a chance to see him. So you see that impact of, of your high draft picks really quick. And that's, exciting for the fans and it's good for the game You're so, exactly yeah I'm, right. I'm excited i'm excited to see him come up and i'm excited to see uh really what what's going to happen the rest of the way but i hope honestly i hope that the blues you know do really really well and you know uh make that make another run in the playoffs maybe nice. maybe a maybe a nice deep run i mean we've got the goalie so got the goalie we got the team i would say it's just we got to make yeah. sure everything goes together. We got to figure well, a few things out on the defensive side. That's for sure. I mean, I honestly, I think the Blues defense is is really deep. Uh, it's mostly health concerns more than anything. I mean, a lot of people were really upset about Perron not getting signed and Letty, you know, uh, coming in and be, and you know, essentially people say, "Oh, we've got Letty instead of Perron." But the thing is, like a championship team is built from the net forward. And I mean, it's so cliche to say it, but you know, the blues have a really, really deep defensive core. Like you've got, I mean, a lot of people hate on Pareko, but he's, he's a stud, you know, Letty Pareko. I mean, all those guys, they've got, they're deep on D and they've got guys who have been there before up, up front and speed. Uh, the only, the one thing that I worry about, and it goes back to the whole cadre thing is, like the size and the scariness factor, you know, we had Pat the year that uh, the blues won the cup. Pat was the, was the scary one who was going to make sure that nobody did anything like run Bennington. And I don't really see them as having a big, scary dude who uh, is going to keep the other team, uh, you know, too scared to go run Bennington. I thought Achari was supposed to have that role, but he really, yeah. he's not he's, that guy. He's no, I mean he's not. He's been a, a really good player to be in the mix. 
Uh, and I mean, having, having Achari on the team has definitely changed the dynamic of, I mean, he knows how to cycle. He knows how to, how to play with good players. He's, uh, you know, tenacious getting the loose pucks and stuff like that, but he's not scary. Like no. the, you need at least one scary dude. And, you know, uh, you know who I miss Ryan Reeves and now yeah, he's playing he in just Minnesota. Got to Minnesota. Right. Yeah, I'm not happy yep. about that. Well, I mean, I always um, see, and and that's, you know, you miss a guy like that. You miss a guy who's who's willing to go, who who understands that his role is to go kick the shit out of the other guy if they don't stay in line. If guys take liberties against your goalie, you, they got to be on their ass. They got to be on their ass, and you have to have a guy that makes the other team too scared to do that, and the Blues just do not have that. I mean, their coach is the scariest one on the team, honestly. Like, I would be more scared to mess with Berube than, you know, any of the other guys. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from a guy like Braden Shen because I think Shen's just a total stud, and he's always willing to – I mean, he's a – He's not he's afraid to mix things up, like, no. He's not afraid to mix things up, and he played with broken ribs. Like, the dude is a beast. Shen is she, – he's tenacious. And so, you know, like – but he's not a big – dude who's going to pound somebody through the boards he's just going to you know do what he does be aggressive and uh you know play the body stuff like that but he, it's not like guys are like oh look out for shen he's you know you he's going to knock you he's going to knock you out whereas you know pat maroon wasn't necessarily like it's not that that was the only aspect of his game but he's a big dude and he's going to knock the shit out of you if you do the wrong thing and so you know you got to have that and that's the thing that i think the blues miss uh you got to have that big guy in the slot who's willing to beat the shit out of people you're right you're exactly right hey let's take a break we're going to come back and uh, you know we can talk some more we can talk some more hockey we can talk some baseball and uh definitely got to have an update on how things are going with our uh me and doug's picks for football and we'll talk some uh crystal o'connor and the whiskey rebels how about that Hell yeah, man. All right, we'll be right back. Going to play some five-fold. And then another request from Ben. Got Fragile Porcelain Mice coming up next right here on Beyond the Fact. Hell yeah. The feeling's gone, nowhere to be found. Tell me what's it a fool. I love your fake and time are wasting. You are my
best of everything STL. All day, all night. We're coming to you 24-7, 365 days a year. Beyond FM.
It's Stripping Grace, Fragile Porcelain Mice on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. That was a special request from Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels lead guitarist, Ben Lambert, who is on the show right now. Ben, watching the hockey game, watching a fight. He's giving me the play-by-play during the fight with Nathan Walker, is apparently getting in a scrap, and he's giving me the play-by-play for it because I can't watch it, but he's watching it right now. So, I Yep, I'm that. the lucky one. Yeah, man, no problem, no problem. Now, about Fragile Porcelain Mice, man, I'm telling you, one of the greatest shows, well, definitely one of the greatest shows. I saw Fragile Porcelain Mice at Mississippi Nights back in the day, and I was right in front of their bassist. And anybody who knows anything about Fragile Porcelain Mice knows about their bassist and and their bass lines. And I got to say, it was drowning out most of everything else, but it was fantastic. Like they, uh, they had their own unique style. They were, they're a good, uh, they're quite a band and they're, what's that, uh, album, the best of, of modern rock, I think is their more recent one. That was a good album. They're, they're, they're awesome. I got. To I think see, they're starting to, they're playing again, again. Uh, yeah, I got to see them last, uh, Thanksgiving, not this past Thanksgiving, but the, the one from 2021 and they were awesome. I thought they were great. And you know, uh, the they describe themselves as like they're tr- actively trying to like piss off the audience and stuff like that. But I thought they rocked hard, man. They're opening. They, they were one of the openers for the urge, and that was a great show. I thought it was an awesome yeah. show. It's funny the way all the all the bands that like I listened to when I was a kid and the bands. It, it seems like almost because there's it's well, there's not a whole lot of of mainstream new music that that is any good in my opinion. And so all of these bands are starting to play again, uh, you know, and it's, it's so much fun to be able to see all the bands that I saw when I was young, like Fragile Porcelain Mice coming back and, uh, New World Spirits did a, a few reunion shows uh, a couple years ago. And that was awesome. And I got to see Gravity Kills and New World Spirits as a pageant. And so that was really fun. And, uh, yeah, man, I it's 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 great that all these bands are coming. The one that I would really like to see somebody just ran Bennington. It was Ben. It was Jamie Ben. Sure. Sorry, the one that I would really like to. He is a jerk, but he's awesome too, though. Uh, the one that I would really really like to see is uh, a band called Ulcer, mm. and they're they had this shtick that they did where it was like working in an office, and their songs were about like how much it sucked working in an office and. They were, it was just the, they had, their album was called Kevorkian and I lost the CD and I wish, I wish that I still had that CD because Ulcer Kevorkian was a great one. And I want to, if, if anybody from Ulcer is listening right now, you guys need to do a reunion show because seriously, they were awesome. They were fantastic. I Underappreciated for could, sure. If we were able to get, uh, who was it a couple weeks ago at Red Flag? Um, local H to return to St. Louis for the first time in like 20 years to do a uh, re like a 20 year anniversary of Here Comes the Zoo. I'm pretty sure we can get Ulcer back on stage. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it out to Tony, so I'm gonna too. throw it out to Rustin and anybody else that can make that happen, right? Ulcer, I think they they were doing Ulcer STL, is what they end up calling themselves, but they were they're really good. That was like 1996, dude. That was, that was way, way long ago. I mean, but know, yeah, we talked about it earlier. Like, you know, I'm 34 and I would say, and I say, and I don't know if I told you this, like my very first concert was also at Mississippi nights and I was mm-hmm. not even 10 years old. 
and I saw the urge live for the first time. Oh, there you go. My first show was uh, at the Miller Music Blast in 1993. I saw Baby Chaos and New World Spirit. Baby Chaos is a band from Scotland, real good. They also did a reunion thing the, um, a couple of years ago, but it was mostly in Europe, and I didn't get to go, even though my parents live up. Because I, I keep having all these kids now, so like I, I don't get to travel to Europe. My brother got to go see them live, which I would like to see them live someday, too. But Got yourself yeah. a little baby factory over there. And a little bit. Of, I think we're done. I think four is probably four is probably enough. You know, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they, they definitely keep you busy. It's definitely a, a real busy life trying to uh, play music and and you know work. And my wife works, and you know all the kids and just all the stuff going on. The my son plays hockey. He's real good at hockey. He's got a mullet. You know, just to put it out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a the, cool he's dad. Doing, he's going all out with the mullet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a good one, too. Alex has a fantastic mullet. And he's a he's a good kid. He's a real good kid. All my kids are good kids. And, uh, uh, but Alex plays, he plays hockey and he's just, he's he's good at it. And it's fun to watch. I, I wish I got to see it more, but like with my job and everything else, so busy. You know, life is so busy, but it's, uh. Busy is good. Busy is good for sure. Well, at least you're, well, I mean, at least you're still able to play music and then be able to watch him play. What position is yeah. he playing? Uh, he's a center and uh, he's real. Uh, he's uh, he, the way he sees the ice, man, at his age, it's really, it's really something. Uh, Cause I mean, he's, he's nine. So most of the kids in the, he's playing 10 and under most of the, he's one of the youngest ones out there, but, his hockey sense is way, way beyond his years. And, uh, he just, he really gets it. And one of the things that is, is good about him, not to just sit here and gloat about my son. All my kids are really awesome. Uh, but he, he sees the, uh, if you tell him to do something, he does it. And at that age, so he's like that's, that's yeah. And at that age, that's, that's something else. Like most kids are not, you know, when you tell them to do something, they might do it. They might not do it. He does it. And it's, he loves it. He's got a passion for the game. And so it's really fun, you know, to see him grow up and play hockey and grow up playing hockey like I did. It's, it's definitely a, a generational thing. Like it, hockey, hockey people are hockey people. It's, it's in your blood. And, uh, and I'm lucky enough to have kids that enjoy hockey. So yeah, I'm blessed. I wake up every day blessed, man. I wake up every day thankful. I'm not gonna lie. Like I have a, I have a great family, and you know, there's always stuff. You always want stuff. Like you, you always want more. But all the things that money can't buy, I have. And so, you know, I I'm thankful every day. I'm very blessed. So uh, yeah, just to put, I guess just to put it out there. I, you know, my wife's listening, you know, I'm thankful for her. And just, it's, it's great. Like the music is just icing on the cake. Like the, yeah, so gotta thank the, you buddy we, for letting you uh, record the night too at his house. So, Oh yeah, Tom, thank you for letting me come over. And, uh, you know, get, I, I have to get away from the family in order to get away from the noise and commotion. So, uh, my buddy, Tom, <laughs> uh, he actually, uh, mastered, uh, our, our EP, the whiskey rebels. He's, uh, 
got some serious skill on the computer and he does little DJ work and stuff. He's uh, oh, he's, he's real the producer talented. for it. Yes, yes. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's he did a well. Better Man uh, recorded it. Better Man uh, Records. Um, Preston Ari, he's another country artist that we met. He uh, he has a studio we recorded in uh, Fayette, which is around near Columbia. For those who don't know where that is, and uh, then I just I knew that I had to I had to get Tom's ears and skills on the uh, on the mastering. So Tom mastered it for me, and uh, he did a fantastic job. And uh, he's let me use his let me come over here and and you know have some quiet space and some uh, blues game streaming on his computer. So thanks, Tom, and thanks, you know, everybody. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> You're all thanked out now? Right. And thank <laughs> you, too, for having me on, you know. No problem. But, uh, yeah, man. You said you had – so you were, we were talking about Dan stories. You said you had some process server stories. Right. So um, do, uh, Divulge a couple, maybe. Well, I live uh, – it's basically like pineapple express minus the uh, costumes and smoking pot all day. Um, Wait, it is or is it? It's it's like that. It's like it, except no costumes and no, no drugs. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm just not, not, you're, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm, a, I'm a rules follower when it comes to stuff like that. Like I'm pretty lame. I'm not wild. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a process server. So, so you're I, not sitting there in your car, listening to talk radio, calling into random stations and then smoking pineapple express. No, no, no. Seeing people get shot or anything like that. And really for the most part, you know, I, uh, I always try and treat people the way I would want to be treated. Like I understand that when you're getting a, a summons or a subpoena that you, it's probably really a stressful time in your life. And it's, it's probably not what I'm not the guy that you want to see coming up to your house. And so I, recognize that and i have i'm a very disarming person so i have very very few problems like i've never even i've never even come close to having to pull my gun on anybody or you know thank god and uh, i'm more scared of people's pets like somebody letting a dog out and getting bit by a dog oh wait so you uh, have to walk around armed basically to do that job well you don't have to but like i walk around armed anyway so like you know, because I, I believe in, you know, being able to defend myself. And I, I think that good people should arm themselves because there are plenty of bad people who are armed. So, you know, anybody who's, who's legal and a good person should have whatever amount of force that they feel is necessary to, you know, protect their family and protect their loved ones. But anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing guy and I, I will, I'll put up with a little bit of abuse from people, but normally I don't really have very many problems. Uh, but there was one guy who stands out now, this is during COVID. So I guess he kind of had a little bit of an excuse to put a mask on, but this, this guy is a chronic service avoider. Like, you know, when they put a picture with it, that you're going to have a problem with that person because they have either lied to evade service or given somebody problems or something. So I, uh, the first time I went there, um, I pull up and I see the dude, he's like working on his motorcycle in the driveway, pretty nice neighborhood actually. And, and uh, I see him like run into his garage. I'm like, Oh boy, like that. It, it must be him. So I, uh, you know, I knock on the door and the guy, you know, 
F you, F this, F that, you're trespassing, I'm going to call the police on you, whatever, whatever. It's like, sir, actually, no, I'm not trespassing. You know, I uh, got a paperwork here signed by a judge for so-and-so. Well, he doesn't live here, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, that's fine. Sorry, but uh, what you're supposed to do is just to make sure that, you know, or to try and find out if that's actually the person you're supposed to go serve. You know, you go over to the neighbors and you're like, hey, do you know the folks that live next door? So I go over and I'm talking to the neighbor through their ring doorbell. I'm like, hey, does so-and-so live next door? You know the folks that live next door? No, that doesn't sound right. Oh, all right. Thank you very much, ma'am. So I start walking back to the car. And this dude has gone into his house and put sunglasses and a mask on over his face and uh, like a bandana. And he's gotten his motorcycle riding gloves with uh, like the metal knuckles, like he's going to come out and punk me out and beat me, beat my ass or whatever. And, uh, you know, so he comes out, step up, mother effer, let's go. Come on. You know, and it's like, really, you know, if somebody comes out and acts like that, they're not going to do anything. It's the people who you don't, it's the people who would bust out swinging, who you would want to be worried about. Now, everybody knows that the, that they are being taken to court. They've sent them a thousand letters in the mail and tried to call them and tried to contact them to resolve whatever it is that I'm serving the paper about. Usually it's like a credit card or something. And uh, But this guy, this guy was not having any of it. So, oh, no, you're going to mess with my neighbors. Comes out with his motorcycle gloves on, starts recording me like, uh, step up, mother effer, you know, seeing if I would fight him now i talked to dan about this and dan was like well i would have just knocked him out and i was like i know you would have just knocked him out dan like dude you were a professional fighter yeah you would have just knocked him out I, i'm not a professional fighter i'm a lover not a fighter so basically i i you know kind of just laughed at him and you know he's recording me so i'm like trying to make it seem like i'm the nicest guy in the world and he looks like the biggest asshole on the face of the planet which i did a pretty good job of that but actually, so I never saw the guy's face, right? So, you know, I put it down as a bad address or whatever, because he said that it was a bad address. So, I mean, I guess I have to go by his word. And so, you know, fast forward about a year and a half, and I get another paper, and they include the guy's picture. And I didn't know at the time that it was that it was him, but I look at this picture, they, they attach his DMV photo, and I'm like, oh, my God this dude is a psycho. Like I can tell just by looking at this guy's picture, like he's a psych. He's got like the John Malkovich look kind of like <laughs> okay. where, where it looks like he's got no eyebrows Yeah, and like, you know, the real psychotic eyes and just this real. And so I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be a really good one. I didn't know at the time that it was the same guy. So I'm driving to this house and I don't have very many problems. So when I do have a problem, I remember the house that I had a problem at. Right. So I'm going to this house. I'm like, Oh, I've been in this neighborhood before. And I pull up to the house and it's that guy. And I'm like, Oh my God, not again. So, you know, it's not worth my time to get physical with somebody. Like I don't get paid. I, we get paid well, but like, I'm not going to go start shit with somebody. Like, it's just, it's not worth it to me. Like, so I just, I just called the cops (laughs) and had meet me there. Like, Hey, will you walk up to the door with me for this guy? Uh, of course, he'd never answered because, you know, some of these people, like, they really know how to game the system. So, you know, good for him or whatever. But 
man, this dude, when he came out that first time, I mean, really technically he had a weapon because he had those, uh, those, those gloves clubs. on. I mean, anybody who knows anything about those things or knows about fighting knows that if you hit somebody wearing those gloves, you're going to break your fingers. So really he was just kind of a punk, but, uh, I mean, technically that's a deadly weapon. So, you know, and technically like I'm working for the court. So I, I guess I could have just shot the guy dead. And I probably would have gotten away with it. Now, I'm never, ever, that's like the last thing that I want to do. Like, I'm a very much of a person who I avoid trouble at all costs. Like, I, you can say whatever, you can say almost whatever you want to me. And I'll be like, all right, cool, dude. And walk away. But, uh, whew, man, that was, he was a live one. And every, every once in a while, you get a live one like that. And it's, uh, it, it can be, I mean, at the end of the day, like, like I said, as long as you treat people the way you want to be treated and like I've gotten served before, it's not something that is a, is a fun experience. Like it, you're going to court for something. Court is not a fun place to be, I guess, unless you're a lawyer and it's your job and you're making money being at court. So like, I, I really sympathize with these people. I, I get it. And so I, I don't have many problems, but this dude, he was something else if I, and now, so now I know, like I've memorized the address. If I get him again, I'm just going to call the cops, have the cops come with me. But yeah, man, I just drive around. It's like adult pizza delivery essentially is what it is. I'm basically like a, a delivery boy for the court. And so <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really easy job. And as long as you follow the rules and like, you know, are nice to people, it, you know, flies by, you get to make my own schedule. It's really, uh, it's really a good, a good gig. Dan actually has a lot more problems than I do because there's something about him. It just follows him around. It just follows him around. Like he, he's, he's been shot at, that people pull guns on him. Like it's, but he does Jeffco too. So like Jeffco, it's, you would, you would think that like you would have more problems in like the city and, you know, North County places, but like those, I've, I don't really have problems there. Like Jeffco is a, Jeffco is a different, a different breed down there. So, you know, if you're, if you're in Jeffco and you're listening to this, good for you. Good for you for, for being a person from Jeffco. It is definitely a, it's a beautiful place. And Franklin, I have Franklin County too. So like Franklin County is, it's like in, as far as being in Eastern Missouri goes, it's, like the hills are there, like you're, it's a beautiful, like the scenery and the lots of time between uh, stops. So you get to drive all the backcountry roads. Like I love driving around. So it, it's a, it's a good fun job for me, but yeah, I, I tend to avoid trouble most, most of the time. As somebody that but is from Jeffco, I don't want to say I take offense to it, but you know, I mean, Hey man, good for you for being from Jeffco, dude. That's, <laughs> You know, it's it's, it's it's a different breed of, of people down there. They don't they don't mess around you're, you're the same right. way. You know, it's uh, you just never know. Process serving is like a box of chocolates. You just you never know what you're gonna get. So yeah, it's it's a it's a cool job. I like it. I can tell uh, that's gonna be a new whiskey rebel song right there. Process serving yeah. is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's definitely you definitely write plenty of songs about about you know. I mean, it's sometimes, I mean, it, it can be, I mean, I've had people cry and it just, 
you know, it sucks sometimes. Like I, I had a guy cry, you know, and of course when they get mad at you, you're like, Hey man, like I'm just the guy dropping it off. Like I, I, you know, people are like, oh, this is bullshit. You know, these people are assholes that are filing this. And I'm like, Hey man, Hey, I, I agree. Like, I'm sure they are. And I'm sure it is, man. I like, what can I say? Like, I just dropped off. You've been served. Like, I'm sorry. Here's the paperwork. I, I hope, I hope it works out for you. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's different. It's different, but I, I gotta say, I really, in, I really enjoy it. And it, it opens up my time to be able to be around the family more and be able to do the band stuff. Cause you know, those are, uh, those are the two things that I'm really into right now. Like the, my number one hobby and the thing that I enjoy putting forth effort towards is, uh, is the band. Like I, it's, it's been really fun. And, uh, well, I mean, whiskey rebels, we're, we're like a family. Like, you know, we really, uh, we enjoy being around each other. We, uh, we're all really good friends. We're like, it's, like having a second family, it really is. Is that why so Crystal was I, like low key offended that you were on the show tonight, not the rest of the yeah. band? <laughs> yeah, she's got to give me. She's got to. She's got to give me a little bit of trouble for that. That was just fine. No, Crystal is like the. Uh, is like uh, the, the mother of the group. She takes care of all of us and like does the does most of the booking stuff, and she, you know, writes the words, and she's she's uh you know obviously very talented and she's got a, a gift as far as her voice goes. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's all business. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure she'll make her way on, onto one of these shows on beyond FM, uh, one of these days. Well, we're going to get her on uh, hopefully here pretty soon. Speaking of crystal and speaking of your writing, let's play that song next. The one that you, all right. Said. You want to do the intro? Oh, yeah. I would love to do to to do the intro to this. Now, this next song that we're gonna play. Now, this one is the one that I wrote, uh, and so it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit more rowdy. It's a little bit more uh, heavy, if you will. Uh, it's called Ozark, and it's about it's by the one and only Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels. And I hope that you come out and see us at our next show. Kick it. <laughs> Long. 
STL. You're goddamn right. Beyond FM.
Brooke Royal, Bleed Blue on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. You're listening to the Monday Night Show on the airwaves with Ben Lambert. Uh, we're talking about process serving, talking about what it's like being the lead guitarist for Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels. And the song before Brooke Royal was a one written by our one and only Ben Lambert. Mm-hmm. It's a fun song. We, we try and write, uh, we've been trying to ch- kind of focus on writing like a, uh, more up-tempo stuff, like more uh, party country, if you will, uh, because that's the type of stuff that uh, really gets the crowd going. But we've got a couple of, you know, uh, I don't know, what would you call them? I wouldn't call it like soft. Like we've got legend and hometown and stuff like that that are more like ballads. I would say legend is kind of like a ballad, yeah. Yeah, but it's the those, there's a lot of heart and a lot of, uh, you know, that goes into it. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I believe in us. I believe, I believe in what we're doing a whole lot. I, Crystal's got a, you know, she's very talented. Uh, all, everybody in our band is, is really, I mean, really, to be honest with you, if you were going to say this person's the weak link, I would say that it's me. Uh, but <laughs> you know, like, you're being uh, humble. Andrew, you're being humble. well, I mean, know thyself is, is one of the things that I go by. I know exactly how good or not good I am. And, uh, I am just, uh, blessed to be playing with such talented people. I mean, Andrew, Andrew is a fantastic, I mean, on, you put any stringed instrument in front of the guy and he just wails on it. Like he's a great, a great strings player of all types. Uh, our bassist Mike, he kind of flies under the radar, but he is—he's a really fantastic bassist. Like he wrote the bass part for Ozark, and when you listen to it with the the way the bass goes, like it's phenomenal. He really did a great job on that. And uh, I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy is a drum machine. Like the dude is really good at drums, and that's really and it goes for any genre of music. If you don't have a good drummer, you don't have a shot. Like you have no chance. The drum, it's like with hockey. If you don't have a good goalie, you have no chance. And the drummer is like, if you, if you want to have a chance to go somewhere with music and to sound really good, you have to have a good drummer. And Jeremy is a fantastic drummer, fantastic drummer. So really, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't care if we ever quote unquote get big. Like I, I just enjoy playing music with my friends and, uh, but I also, you know, come out and see us. I'll, I'll prove it to you in person. I, I think we rock pretty hard, man. I, I really think that we have a good, uh, a good mix and we got a lot of talented individuals in the band and I, you know, we just gotta we gotta hone in on our writing and uh, keep playing out and build the fan base a little bit. And I mean, if we play in, when we play in front of people, you know, the music speaks for itself. And so, uh, you know, I would like to formally invite everybody who hears my voice right now to come out to one of our upcoming shows. We've got uh, one coming up at El Flanagan's in Highland. It's a great place if you're over on the Illinois side, or even if you're not in one take a little trip to the east side, not that east side, but, uh, you know, Illinois. Um, the 30th of December uh, is our next show coming up, and that's going to be 
uh, the Whiskey Rebels trio. It's just uh, Crystal and Andrew and I. We're going to play, you know, uh, your typical or maybe not so typical four-hour bar set, which uh, that's one of the things that's different about country music. Like with rock and other genres, it's, you know, you have four or five bands playing and you play for like an hour, like 30 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes tops. And uh, in the country world, like you go and you play for four hours, so you end up doing a lot of covers. People want to hear the stuff that they're familiar with. And uh, if you can do that well and mix in your stuff and you, you know, get a little bit of, uh, of traffic going to your songs and they figure out that you're pretty good too. That's, that's how you have to do it. And, uh, so that's, we've got the four hour set coming up, uh, at Flanagan's the 30th. And uh, then our next full band show after that is out at uh, dog Prairie Tavern, which is in St. Paul out in St. Charles County getting closer to where I'm from out in Lincoln County. That's where I hail from. I got to, sh- I got to give a shout out to all my people out in Winfield, the greatest little town in the world. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, the 14th of January out at uh, dog Prairie, that's going to be a real good time. And, uh, so yeah, we've got a few coming up after that, but those are the two next two shows. And I think if, uh, people come out and they hear Crystal's voice and, uh, they see us do our thing, uh, they're going to be fans and, uh, you know, we're also totally down to earth, cool, cool dudes. So and a cool chick. So well, yeah, come on, let's do it. So yeah, hope to see everybody at those shows. It should be a really good time. Most likely Dan will be out there not trying to fight nobody, but talking about his neck and whatnot. It yeah. Seems like anytime, yeah I well, see, you know, anytime I see him out in public, that's all, that's what he wants to talk about. Definitely about his neck. Nah. Yeah. Well, he got, he got fixed and, uh, you know, the recovery process from anytime you get, like I've had back surgery and anytime you get your, your spine operated on, man, it, it, the recovery can be brutal. And, uh, really people don't realize how, how much, like I used to think before I hurt my back, uh, like somebody's complaining about a bad back, like whatever, boohoo, because it's not like you see a cast. It's not like you see, you know, you don't really see that somebody has a bad back, but once you get a back injury, you realize how debilitating that is. And so, uh, you know, I'm really pulling for Dan to make a full recovery. I know it's, it's, it's always really hard getting operated on, uh, you know, uh, also while we're talking about being operated on, I gotta say, uh, you know, my recovery from blowing out my Achilles tendon playing at the factory is coming along really well. So, uh, you know, for anybody who might be interested, uh, got to give a big shout out to, uh, to my doctors who sewed that all back together. That was pretty brutal, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're coming along well. So if anybody ever blows out their Achilles tendon, you got to see, uh, Dr. Humphrey and Dr. Wallace. They, they got this thing sewed back together. You all night. Talk about all that. Strong. Didn't you get to talk about that on Fox two not too long ago? Cause you guys yeah, were on Fox yeah, two we were, like probably about like what about a month ago? About a month ago, yeah, it was on uh, Halloween. Yep, Halloween. We uh, we were on Fox too, and that's that's one of the stories that like adds to the legend of the whole thing. Uh, you know, uh, get it? But like, you know, we're playing at the factory, and uh, you know, the factory is a it's a real venue. Like that's yeah. a we were playing uh, United We Brunch, the uh, RFT event, and uh, third song in. <clears throat> excuse me, third song in. 
we're jamming man i feel like a woman <laughs> yeah it's a jam it's a jam and uh crystal and i always we've got wireless she's got a wireless mic and i have a wireless guitar so we always go out in the crowd like playing people's faces and you know just try and get the crowd involved in the in the whole thing and right as the song's starting to come to an end after my solo i turn to head back to the stage and i feel like it feels like i tripped over somebody's foot i was like whoa what was that like i hope i didn't step on somebody's foot too bad and then i took a kind of like took a step and it felt like my i had stepped in mud or something my like my boot dragged on the ground i wear boots when i play country like you're supposed to and uh gotta play the part right right exactly right and then uh i took another step and uh that's when i realized something was really really wrong and uh I pretty much knew exactly what uh, what had happened, so I, I hobbled my way back up on stage and I looked at everybody and I was like, "Guys, I'm I'm effed up, I'm effed up," <laughs> and they're like, "What? What?" I was like, "I either just blew out my Achilles tendon or broke my leg," and they're like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, "What? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? next song? Let's go." So uh, we had eleven more songs after that. I did gut it out. Uh, but you it, it was out, you uh, finished the show. That's I rock, did. That's rock and roll right there. Absolutely. Well, you know, I come from the hardcore, the hardcore line of things. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, a few days later, uh, I got surgery and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something else to come back from, man. It's not like I've had a lot of injuries playing hockey and stuff. I've broken my wrist. I've, uh, had a grade three MCL tear. I've shredded my ankle pretty bad before. Uh, and there, as far as a non-back injury that's debilitating, this one was, this one was, was hard to come back from. Like, you know, I'm older and everything, but, uh, you know, I mean, Wainwright did the same thing and Ryan Howard did this. It pretty much ended Ryan Howard's career. He was never the same after that. Wainwright, uh, he came back from it. Uh, but I mean, you can tell by if you, well, like anybody who, anybody who, um, uh, busts their Achilles tendon like that. I mean, your leg is, is not going to look, it's like, it doesn't look the same as it did before the muscles, you know, they atrophy when you're not using them. And it was, it was tough to come back from, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, counting my blessings, I've, I've been able to recover pretty well from it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it feels good now. But now, of course, I, I ruined my back again playing hockey a few weeks ago. So I'm hoping I don't have to have another surgery. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I, it's just like something that I do now is get surgery every couple of years and stuff. So It's basically but, yeah. you just wake up and then oh, something else is wrong today. Right, pretty much. Like, I'm old now. I'm, I'm almost 40. So, like, uh, you know, it's as you get older, I mean, it's just things things just don't work quite as well as they did. But, uh, you know, Hey, still doing what I, what I like to do and, uh, you know, trying to gut it out as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting day for sure. Uh, we got a lot of good videos. We haven't, we haven't posted a whole lot of them cause it's pretty, it's kind of a little embarrassing to, you know, to, to do that. But it's also, like I say, it just adds the legend to the whole thing. <laughs> like, um, you know, everybody got to see. Got to see what happens when somebody snaps a major, uh, a major tendon like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good times. 
Well, at least you gutted it out and you still play it. You still finished off the show. Right. I mean, that's the most important part. The show must go on. So, you know, as long as you, uh, true showman, absolutely. That's, that's what I am through and through. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm not, I, I'm going to hopefully never have that happen again. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was something, it was something else. It was, it was one of those why me moments, but at the same time, it was like rock and roll, baby rock and roll. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. All right, let's get out of here. I'm going to let you finish up the Blues game. They're in the third period, one nothing stars. We appreciate you having coming on the show. Uh, don't forget, when was it again? December 30th. December 30th at EL Flanagan's in Highland, Illinois. December 30th, be, uh, EL Flanagan's, Highland, Illinois. That's yep. uh, the next show for the Whiskey Rebels. You can follow them on all the socials and catch their music on Spotify, YouTube, all that, right? All of it. We're on all the streaming platforms. My platform of choice is Amazon. They're not paying me to say that, but I wish they would. Uh, but yeah, we're on all of them. And, uh, so check us out. Whiskey Rebels, uh, well, Crystal O'Connor and the Whiskey Rebels, but if you type in Whiskey Rebels, (laughs) Whiskey Rebels from the barrel, that's the name of the, uh, that's the name of the EP. It's a four song EP, or you can just go Whiskey Rebels back country because that's a jam too. So, and we hope to see you. We hope to see everybody at the next show. And uh, hey, man, thanks a lot for having me on. It was it was a good time. I hope to do it again someday. Yeah, man, let's get the whole band on for sure. You and oh, yeah. another episode with you and you and Dan. Yeah, that one's gonna be off the chain, as the kids say. As no cap. Say no cap. Right? Well, they don't see that. They don't say that now. They say no cap and yeah. on God and things like that. There we go. All right, let's finish things out for the night. We're going to head out. I'm going to play a little retro champ, and we'll catch you all next week on Beyond FM. Peace.